Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Loving and gracious God and Father, we come before you this day again with the words of praise upon our lips. Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, alleluia. A reminder of what you have accomplished through your Son, our Savior. And yet, Lord, we in this world still live in uncertain times, and we need faith each and every day to lift us up, to encourage us, and to strengthen us. Lord, in many ways, we are just like the disciples of long ago, locked in our rooms out of fear. Lord, we pray, show us how not to be afraid and how to live in this world full of illness and disease, of sin and death. Lord, help us. We pray in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Peace. It is a central concept of our worship together. After all, in almost every worship service, we use the term, the peace of the Lord. The peace of the Lord be with you and also with you is the response. We sometimes even take that time to, to share with one another the peace of the Lord with a handshake of fellowship. And now we're told even moving forward that that may not be the thing to do. We may have to actually revert back to the kiss of peace. Kissing each other on the cheeks like so many have done in the past rather than a handshake. I'm not sure if, if that would approve uh, or be approved by the, the medical people of this world. But an interesting concept when you think about it. But that peace is central to us. We even saw it this morning in our Kyrie. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world and for the well-being of the church of God. Let us pray to the Lord. And we talk about that peace that passes all of our human understanding at the end of the message, keeping our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And of course, we see it even in the benediction. Peace. A peace which indeed passes our understanding. And yet to understand what peace is, we need to, to know what's going on. We can see it kind of in, in the turmoil, if you will, after the, after the crucifixion when these disciples are locked away for, for fear of the Lord and they're wondering what next or what's going to happen and how things have been unfolding. In many ways, as I mentioned during the prayer, it's, it's much like we are today, isolated in our own homes and living in a semblance of fear. And, you know, it's kind of that ironic thing, as, as someone once mentioned, you know, after 9-11, we, we got fearful if we saw low-flying aircraft that seemed to be out of uh, ordinary. And now, you know, if we, we're next to somebody and they start coughing, we want to move away out of fear. And yet the scriptures encourage us not to live out of fear, but to live in hope. Not to live out of fear, but to live in the peace of our Lord, which passes all of our human understanding. 
It's interesting to me that any time in Scripture where people are and all of a sudden an angel appears in their midst, that generally the first words out of the angel's mouth is, be not afraid, as if somehow we always operate out of fear. If you look at our gospel lesson today and you see these disciples huddled in this upper room in fear uh, because they're afraid of the Jews or what might happen to them being followers of Jesus, all of a sudden in this locked room, Jesus appears to them and his first words are not, do not be afraid. His first words to them are, peace be with you, shalom. What is shalom? What is this peace? It's a peace that comes from God. It's a peace that conveys to us the presence of God, the Shekinah of God, if you will. It's the type of peace that only God can bring, a peace to our hearts where all of a sudden we begin to understand that everything is in his hands and therefore everything is going to be okay, not by our definition of okay, but by his definition of of okay. You see, under the disciples' definition of okay, uh, they wouldn't have had Jesus dying on a cross. They wouldn't have had him going through all of that difficult and trying time. They wouldn't have had it where they had to run away. They wouldn't have had it in that way. If they'd have written the story, it would have been much different because their definition of peace is much different. We remember that Jesus wears this title, the Prince of Peace. And he wears that title not because uh, he's a peaceful guy, but because in order to bring that peace, he went to war. He went to war with sin and death and the devil, and he did it by giving up his life on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins, for the salvation of the sins of the whole world. And therefore, he signs a peace treaty, a treaty of victory, if you will, with his own blood. That's a peace that passes all of our human understanding. I don't know how he could have done that or why he would have done it for the likes of me or for the likes of you. But he did it. And so his first words as he enters into that upper room, his first words are to point the disciples right back to the very King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right back to the very promises of God, a peace that comes only from Almighty God in heaven. Peace be with you. You can imagine the reaction of the disciples as he stands in their presence his nail-scarred hands and feet. Peace be with you. The text doesn't tell us that the disciples were afraid when he appeared. Rather, it says they were glad when they saw the Lord. We can surmise that the very presence of Jesus Christ in their lives automatically brings a peace and a comfort to them which was absent from them prior to his appearance. You see, being in the presence of Jesus brings to us that peace. 
That's why we clamor for a celebration of the Lord's Supper. We want to be in the very presence of his body and his blood poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins. It's why we clamor to be together. We want to be in the presence of our fellow believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ, where we find a little bit of respite from the world around us and where we can bring that peace to each other. It's difficult and challenging and trying in these times to find that peace. And so in the isolation of our homes or in that social distancing in the world, we can even when we're within six feet of someone else feel like we're all alone. And yet what God is telling us is even in those times, it's an opportune time to share the peace with others. I challenge it. If you have to go out and you happen to be in one of those lines to get into a grocery store or Home Depot or Lowe's or drugstore or whatever it might be and you find yourself where the, the six-foot police are there watching over you and saying you can go in now or you got to wait, take the time to just turn to somebody and say, the peace of the Lord be with you. May God's peace overshadow you. See what kind of reaction you might get. You might get the scowls. You might get some type of word back. But you also might see somebody's eyes light up as you point them to Jesus who died on a cross for their sins. You see, in this world today, we have faith and, and, and doubt and people are struggling. And that doubt is a normal thing. But it's an opportune time for us to point people back to Christ and to what he did for us on a cross. We have a host, a myriad of, of witnesses through history who point back to Christ. I love the words in our opening lesson today. Those examples that Gamaliel points out to people. He's dealing with the Jewish leadership of the day and they're all worried about how this, this Christ is going to take hold and how it's going to destroy us even though we crucified him on a cross. And Gamaliel wisely points to them to some of the things of history, the, uh, the events, of the followings of men. And he says, you know, when the leader dies, it's only natural for things to dissipate and for the, the followers to disperse. We've seen it time and again through history. And so this Jesus, don't worry about his followers. If this is from man, it's going to go away. It's going to fall apart. But if it's from God, there's nothing you can do to stop it. And think about all of, the, all of the leaders through the years of history, all of the secular leaders who have had followers, and then after a period of time when they die, their followers kind of go away. And yet here we are 2,000 years later with billions of Christians around the world still celebrating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, still understanding that his life on a cross paid for the multitude of our sins. And here we are, still faithful as God's people, trusting in his word passed down through the generations by the power of the Holy Spirit and still moving and working in our hearts and our lives. And still reminding us of that very, very important thing that Jesus gave to his disciples and in turn to us in that upper room. Receive the Holy Spirit. 
If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. That office of the keys, the whole point of, of Christ on the cross, the opportunity to look people in the eyes and say to them, Jesus died for you because he loves you, and in his death he washed away the multitude of your sins, and you are forgiven. That's the mission of the church. It's what makes Christianity unique. We are the only faith, the only religion out there proclaiming Christ crucified for the forgiveness of our sins. And we are the only religion where we have a Savior who did it all for us. Everybody else says, you got to earn it. You got to do it. You got to be right. You got to be good. And you can never be sure of salvation because you're never sure if you've done all the right things, checked all the boxes, dotted all the I's, or crossed all the T's. We don't have to worry about checking the boxes or dotting the I's or crossing the T's because you see Jesus Christ did it for us. He paid the price for our sins on the cross. It's his voice from the cross that reminds us of what he's all about. And are we listening to that voice? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is finished. Knowing that Christ died for our sins and that he rose again from the grave should bring to us a peace that passes all of our human understanding. And we are charged by Christ through the words of St. Paul to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts which indeed we were called into the one body of Christ. And because we have that peace, that restoration, if you will, in a relationship between us and God, a peace that comes through the righteous blood of our Lord and Savior, where we are no longer at strife with God, but we are at peace with him, where we no longer need to be at strife with one another, but again to share the peace of God's love which passes all of our human understanding. And how do we do that? When we have those times of conflict or disagreement, when our sinful, ugly self rears its head, what do we need to do? We need to turn to our brother, our sister, our children, our spouse, whoever it might be, co-worker, neighbor, and extend the forgiveness to one another. I forgive you. Please forgive me. That's what brings peace. That's what fixes the brokenness of our lives and our relationships. To bring the peace which passes all of our human understanding. Jesus shows his nail marks to Thomas. And Thomas, he answers, my Lord and my God. When we understand what it is that Christ went through on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, we too can echo those same words, my Lord and my God. Because we understand that the nail marks are there for us. The wound in the side is there for us. The blood was shed for us and covers our sin. And that's what brings that peace to us. We weren't there. We didn't see it. 
The accounts have been passed to us through the years, and yet John, in his wisdom inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes it in his gospel. Blessed are they who have not seen and yet have believed. We hang on to those words because we didn't see it, we weren't there, and yet we are so blessed by God. By the power of his Holy Spirit, he continues to work in our hearts and our lives so we can be an influence to the world around us. Even in these times, we can still share the peace of the Lord. As Stinky and Harry reminded us, we can pick up the phone. That was Harry. We can do the FaceTime. That was Stinky. We can do all of the other kinds of things that we do to maintain that contact and to share the peace of the Lord. To continue to remind people that we're loved in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, even during these challenging times. Because you see, God sent his son into this world to save this world. This world isn't going to be saved through doctors and nurses and through the medical profession. They work hard and we give thanks and praise for them and all that they're doing because they're doing extraordinary things to care for our loved ones. And for people who are hurting. But the true healing and the true peace that enters into our world and into our hearts and our lives comes from the one who gave his life up for us. Remember the words of the angels? The night that Jesus was born? You remember those words as the shepherds were out watching their flocks at night and the angels suddenly appeared? Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Savior, Christ the Lord, the one who died for us, who suffered for us, who shed his blood for us, the one whom we can call the Prince of Peace, because we have that peace in our lives, a peace which passes all of our human understanding. In this trying time, in this situation, let's remember that we are a people of peace. And even in our social distancing, we can still share the peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. So with you is our traditional response. When you FaceTime, when you call, when you write the letters, share the words. The peace of the Lord be with you. We need that peace in a time of fear, in an unsettled time. A peace which places our feet on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.